0: What is Christmas about? There are tons of things. Now, I've asked a lot of people on Facebook, tagged a few of them in, got responses from different people. I've been chatting to customers all week, what's Christmas about to you, and different people that I've come into contact with. And you hear such a variety of things. It's almost like Christmas isn't any one thing. It's lots of different things. And as I listened to all the things that they were saying, all of those things were true. I'm not to say there's not a greater truth that supersedes those things, but they're all true. And so, as I was thinking, well... Right now, what is Christmas about for me? I was drawn to a rather strange, peculiar verse in the Scriptures, which is in Song of Solomon 2, verse 4. And it says, He draws me to his banqueting table, and his banner over me is love. And when I thought about that, I I had no idea why I was drawn to this this, um, particular verse. And I didn't realise it at the time. But actually how it really reads is, He draws me to the wine house, and his banner over me is love. And that seemed fitting, because at the time I was drinking a glass of Malbec. So it seemed to go quite nicely. So today I decided to make Christmas all about wine, because I said so. (laughs) Because Stone Cold says so. So I was looking at this verse, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I fell in love with it, because when we look at the Christmas story... When we look at how we see Christmas as a society, the main thing I hear people talking again and again and again, whether they look at it from the selfish aspect of looking forward to what they will get or a uh, more mature aspect of what I can give this Christmas, it seems to be all about giving and it seems to be all about generosity. And the reason I love that is because I think when we look at the Christmas story from the Christian perspective and the Christian narrative, What we have is God displaying the ultimate sign of generosity. This morning, what we're going to be talking about, what we're going to be looking at is ultimate generosity. There is no gift that can be given to any one of us that could be greater. You could win the lottery in the next couple of weeks and what you would receive would not be greater. You could receive fame and become like the person in the nation that everyone is talking about and everyone wishes they knew, and everyone sees as cool. You could grab a hold of that, but it still wouldn't be as great as this gift. You could be given a position of complete and absolute power, with no one else really on this earth to hold you accountable. And it still wouldn't be as great a gift as this gift that God has given us. And it all starts with a baby being born, and we know that. But I want, to look at, I want to look at the first miracle Jesus does. I want to look at the first one. And the reason I want to do that is because of that one verse in Song of Solomons 2, chapter 4. He brought me to the banqueting house. He brought me to the wine house, and his banner over me is love. Jesus does his first miracle at a party. He brings his disciples with him to the party. They're going through the motions of a fantastic wedding feast. And if we look at what Song of Solomon is all about, it's all about a marriage. It's all about a relationship. It's all about pursuing one. We've got Solomon pursuing a, a beautiful honey, and he's trying to seal the deal. He's trying to get make her his. And you've got all this beauty going on around it. And in this moment, in this passage, we see Jesus with his disciples at a wedding feast celebrating the unity of two people coming together the perfect place when you think about Jesus and you think about the New Testament calling the church his bride and so Jesus is at this wedding feast they go on for a couple of days and there comes this moment where it's drawn to Mary's attention that they have run out of wine there is no more wine for the party this is a party ending moment this is a party defining moment. If the wine... I'm not being funny. If you go to your friend's party and they've got everyone round, and you're, you're there, you've been there since say 8 o'clock because you're one of the early birds, and gets there early on time, everyone else is late or whatever. It starts to really pick up around 9, around 10, it's really kicking and then at 10 o'clock just as things are swaying, just as things are going places, bang, they're like out of booze. There is no booze here. Actually no, let's make it gone 11, so when places stop selling alcohol. So it's like, we have run out. There's no one selling alcohol. Like It would be kind of like you'd just see this slow exodus from your party. And you'd be left with probably one or two loyal mates that are like, yeah, do you want to play FIFA? Or something like that. There's, there's not really else you can do with a party. It's dead. It's a killing moment. And so in this story, it is a moment that is going to be like talked about. Like, a oh man, did you go to the we- Oh my gosh, we were you at that wedding? Oh yeah, I was at the wedding. It was so dead. It was so dead. I can't believe it when we left there. Bang. There was no alcohol left. It was just terrible. No wine to celebrate. Disaster. And so Mary comes up to Jesus and she says, hey, Jesus, like they're out of wine. And Jesus being God um, says a crappy one-liner of like, what does that have to do with me, woman? That is like coming to Sit That's just none of my business. It's like Jesus is like training on Twitter for that one. So he's like, what does that have to do with me? That's none of my business. That's nothing to do with me. And then she turns around to the guys who are working at the party. And and she says, do whatever he says. Like, he couldn't have given an answer that said more firmly, I am not involved. I am not involved in this. Nothing to do with me. He says, even my time has not yet come. And she just turns to the guys there and says, like, hey, whatever he says to do, do it. And then Jesus turns and he tells them to get this water that's of purification Jewish rites, which is their early uh, historical equivalent probably to kind of a baptism, not full of Marshall, but like a sprinkling type thing, like a washing away, a purification type thing that they do at these ceremonies. And he says, oh yeah, we're going to grab these kind of things associated with that. We're going to fill these, these bad boys up to the top of water and then you're going to go and you're going to take a serving to the master ceremonies, the guy running this thing, you're going to take it over to him and he's going to have a sip. And so these guys, after what Mary has said to them, they go and do exactly what he says, they go and they take it they, they do what he says fill it up with water and they serve it to the master ceremonies and he says this he says wow 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 he goes straight up to the groom and says wow I've got to hand it to you this is, this is, this is unusual this isn't a normal scenario normally they get the good wine out first everyone gets sloshed and completely and utterly wasted and when they're completely wasted when they're completely off their faces that's when they bring out the cheap stuff Dude, we're at the latter stage of this party. We're hitting 11 o'clock. We're hitting that time where people pour out the, the rubbish stuff because no one can taste it anymore. They're so smashed. He says, And you are bringing out the best stuff now. You're bringing out the best stuff now. What does that tell me about this passage which I think God wants to say to us this Christmas time, what I believe God wants to say to us in this new year, what I believe God wants to say to us in our lives is this. is sometimes in life, whether you perceive it happening or you don't see it happening, whether you've planned the party properly, whether you've got the wedding all laid out, there are moments in life that are party-stopping moments. There are moments in your life you don't foresee coming that stop the party, that close the party down, that end it, that dead it right there, where there's no other option but to go, you know what, the party's over, we are so screwed right now. We come into those sort of situations, and the only thing we can do is this. It's time for a bring-in. It is time for a bring-in. And who do we bring in? We bring Jesus into the equation. We bring Jesus into the equation. And what this passage gives me hope about is because he says... What does this have to do with me? This has nothing to do with me. Sometimes as Christians, when it comes to our prayer lives, we pray to God about things that we think are necessarily spiritual or equated in some way related to Him. I want to tell you, you can be going through stuff that you feel is no way, shape or form connected with Him. You can be encountering a problem or a challenge that you don't think is like a thing you would tend to pray about that you think God would say to you, this has got nothing to do with me. Let me tell you something. He's still there. And the answer to that situation, when you feel that way about your scenario is, Jesus, whatever it is you want to tell me to do, I'm down to do it. I submit to you. I submit to who you are. I submit to what you're going to say in my life. And as you speak that in, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. Because I know right now the party's about to hit the, hit the wall. I know the party's going to be dead. I know this is all going to fall apart. But I look to you. I look to you in this situation because I know you are able. I know you have got this. I know that you are the God who gives generously. I know you are the God who's faithful. I know that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness towards me. Great is your faithfulness towards me. If they were able to say that in Lamentations, the series we did a little while ago. They were able to say that while women were starving and eating their young, and they were able to look forward towards God and say, Great is your faithfulness for me. Your mercies are new every morning. We can look no matter what situation we face, and we can say your mercies are new every morning. We can enter into a place like Moses spoke about in that word, where we encounter God afresh, where we see his light for who it is, and it shines in the darkness, and it shines like a beacon of hope in us and through us. Jesus said this, he said, love one another as I have loved you by all this by this all men will know you are my disciples he said people will see you and they will know you are mine what he was saying there wasn't revolutionary actually it was pretty box standard in the Jewish faith they would have to wear these civerts um, or something like that on the end of their garment it'd have like these kind of um, tassels and there'd be a blue string through it and people would see that and they would remember his law they would remember it. And what Jesus is saying is like, great, great tassels, whatever it is, that's fantastic. Glad you guys are doing the whole fashion thing, but let me tell you something. You're going to know my disciples, not because of the way they dress, you're going to know them because the way they love one another. Because this isn't going to be a designer clothing anymore. This isn't going to be, I look like I'm religious. It's not going to look like, I look like I follow God. They're going to see you follow me, because you're going to live the love that I've called you to live. And when the party looks like it's about to stop for someone else, you're going to be there ready to serve, ready to help them. When the party's looking like it's going to stop, in your life, it's not just going to be about you, but you're still going to be the type of person, when you're going through tough stuff, you're still going to serve and love others, because you're mine, and when people look at you, they're going to see that you're mine, because you're different in those situations, because you don't back down and tap out, you don't stop giving to those around you, you don't stop loving and serving people around you, because things are tough for you, because you're mine, because you're mine, and Jesus, when things got tough for him, still gave all he had for us. On the cross, he didn't back down. He didn't tap out. He gave it all away. And he calls us to follow him, to be people of love, as he is a person of love. And I think one of the things I find most comforting about this time of year is we sing it in Christmas songs, Emmanuel, God with us. And if we look at this past year, 2014, one of the things Jodie was saying to me from her work perspective was a lot of the guys at The Guardian had said that this had been the worst year they'd ever seen that when they looked at the news stories, they hadn't seen a year as bleak as this year. And we flourished towards the end of this year with what's happened in Australia, what's happened in Pakistan, what's happened in all these different places. And it looks like this is a new reoccurring trend, a new thing, and the way this is going to continue into 2015. And you know what? It's scary and it's frightening. And so this morning, I want to close with this passage in Isaiah 7 where the children of Israel were surrounded by a foe on every side. Nations had gathered united against them. And God spoke to his people a promise, and he said this the king stood up, ready to give his his war speech to the soldiers to pump them up, to get them fighting, and he stood up and he said, Behold, a virgin would be with child, and his name will be Emmanuel. He will be God with us. And the people knew that God would be with them. Guys, we know that as John says in his gospel, that In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, verse 14, and the Word became flesh and blood and dwelt among us, and we know Him, and He is Jesus, the Christ. We know Him, we've encountered Him, we've seen God among us, we know Emmanuel, God with us. This morning, I want to affirm to us, as we come into a new year ahead, because we don't have another service this year after this one, I want us to realize God is with us, and He's for us, and I want us to know without a shadow of a doubt, even some of the areas we may face where we don't think he's involved, he still got involved in a party that had nothing to do with him and it wasn't even his time yet and yet he still acted mercifully and graciously and supplied what they needed to get the party kicking. Guys, there's areas in our lives where we feel like maybe this isn't the type of thing necessarily we would pray about, maybe God isn't necessarily for this, still bring it to him, still submit it to him and say, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it because you are God. You are God and I will be who you have called me to be, and I will follow you as you call me to follow you. This uh, last week, I don't know if some of you guys know, some of you may know, some of you may not know, like we've seen, I've seen this talk actually live out before my very eyes. This week, um, on the Thursday night, I got home, and um, I heard from Billy, he texted me saying, there's fire engines outside Metro. And there was a fire here and the whole marquee was burnt to the ground. I came in the next morning and I saw how it was out there. And you know what? It, was, it looked absolutely terrible. I mean, disastrous. And when I watched Teddy and Jake and Fran work so flipping hard to get everything done because they had all these people coming in the evening. They had these things going on. And straight away, as soon as I heard the news, as you guys know, I put it straight in the private group. We need to be praying for Metro. We need to pray for them. I got on the, on the, on the phone to Texas, to my other guys. It's like, guys, we need to be praying for them. I don't want them losing any business over this Christmas season. I don't want to lose any customers. i got all these bookings. Just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And you know what? When I came here and I saw, and I stayed outside quite late on the, the Thursday. I hung around for a bit. Um, on the Friday, sorry, the day after. And I saw what was going on. And you know what? It looked like there was no way that that thing was going to be up. And the next day on the Friday, I came in. The first thing I did when I unlocked was I went straight through there. And I got to the stained glass double doors. And the light was flying through. And I was like, oh, no, they didn't get anything. Because it's always dark in the morning. And as I opened it, I saw this beautiful sight out there. This marquee with these windows letting the light in. This beautiful white piece, these wonderful flowers and decorations all there. If you'd seen how it was the day before, I tell you what, it was a party ending moment. Christmas was cancelled. Parties would be cancelled. And then we see this and we see it how it is. I want to tell you guys, no matter what it is you face, no matter what you're going through, I want to encourage you guys to do a bring in, to bring Jesus into your workplace, to bring him into what you do, to bring him into anything that you face. This week on The Coffee Stool, had this moment when we'd, um, we were serving customers, and a couple of people on one day, I don't know, it just seemed like we were getting bumped. People kept coming and going, like, Oh, I haven't got any money on me, um, and the cash point's not working. And you know what? Me and I made a decision. I said to Billy, You know what? People say that, that's cool. We're still going to give them their coffee. If they want to pop by another time and pay, they can. If they don't, they don't want it. And this woman, was there and we did our coffee and she went away the next day she came back and i was on the stool on my own i think billy was downstairs and um, i was on the stool. and she came up to me and she said oh here's the money for yesterday she gave me the money for it and i want another coffee now and she paid for her second coffee and she said i just want you to know that yesterday my father died and everything was going wrong in my day and as i came over here and i didn't have the money to pay for that coffee the only good thing that happened that day was you guys letting me have that coffee And you see, when you bring Jesus into your workplace, when you bring Jesus into your values, do you think Starbucks or someone's going to go, oh, you haven't got the money? Cool, don't worry about it, you know, whatever. No, 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 they're not going to do that. But when you bring Jesus in and you know the generosity he's given you, and the attitude I said to Billy was, we're going to give regardless, and if they don't come back and pay for it, what's the worst that's happened? We've given someone generosity. They haven't stolen from me. I've given to them generously because there was no money for the trade. I've given it to them. And this person comes back that's lost their father and they're there and they receive that and they get that and all of a sudden you start to realize it's good when you do a bring-in. It's good when you do a bring-in. It looks like it's not going to profit you. It looks like it's not going to help you, but it's time to do a bring-in. Guys, it's time to live lives that just bring Jesus into the center of it all, that bring him to the center. I had another woman the other day. She lost her mother and father and she sat there, broke down, didn't buy anything from me. I ended up spending three hours with someone who didn't buy anything just listening to all their grief and all their pain and doing the whole Eka thing, letting them have room to let it all out. And they walked away a different person. It's time to bring Jesus in to who we are and to what we do. I'm just going to pray for us. I'm going to hand over to Marv, who's going to share a little bit about how yesterday went. There's still time if you want to buy a coffee on the website for someone else. Um, We're going to do it on Monday. The store will be open. Um, We had a real blast yesterday. Father, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for your generosity towards us. I thank you for your goodness, Lord. I thank you that we have a chance to give in so many different ways. Every single day of our lives, we have a chance to love you and to love one another we have a chance to fulfill all the law in those two things and do so much more because your law isn't just about do's and don'ts it's about instruction on how to live and the culture we're supposed to have father god at christmas time it's the easiest time of year to to unleash generosity father god and i just pray lord god that you would unleash generosity through us whether it's through the gifting coffee or whether it's through our day-to-day the people we meet lord god this week unleash that generosity through us father god because you have not withheld your own son from us. What more is there for you to give? You've given us everything, God. We want to be people who give and worship and love you, openly generous, not clinging on to what we want to have, but worshiping you in all of our lives, in every encounter with the people that we meet, God. May we ooze the love and the generosity of God in our lives. We just pray, like Moses said earlier, that word would be true of us, that we would shine brightly this year, that we would be different this year, that we would be disciples of you, finding ways to love and to serve you in all that we are and in all that we do, do, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Amen.